So here we are in the first week of our Great Expectations sermon series. This Great Expectations series ties in to what is happening with us as a church in regard to our future location right here in Emerson. If you were here last week, you should have received a brochure. And that brochure talked all about the One Campaign. And the One Campaign is uh, the, the funding strategy, the faith strategy that God has shown us. And um, it's, it's our way to uh, understand what our part is. Because understand this, you have your part, I have my part, everybody's part is different. Everybody's part in this looks different. But collectively, we together are going to do everything we can to provide Lake Point's part on this project. And then God will do his part. And if you weren't here for that, you can uh, pick up a brochure uh, at Connection Point. You can also go to um, a very simple website simply called onechair.org. So if you go to onechair, O-N-E, chair.org, you can uh, find all about the One Campaign, and you can um, actually download the brochure and look at that. Uh, you can also listen to the uh, last week's sermon just by going to our website, lakepointonline.com, and then go to uh, messages, and you'll see uh, last week's video. But you want to uh, listen to that, and you want to watch it, and you want to get an idea of, um, of kind of where we're going with that. But in this first week of Great Expectations, and the reason why we're calling it Great Expectations is because we want to walk through this with great expectations and anticipation of God doing amazing things, of God speaking to our hearts and God showing us what he wants us to do and then he will do his part. Our, our scripture, our main passage of scripture for this series is Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And so what we want to do is we want to walk this journey with an expectation of God to move, an expectation of God to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And we want to walk with aggressive faith. We want to walk with aggressive faith. And so we, we want to get God's attention. We want to get God's attention that God sees our faith. All right, I, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, am I living with aggressive faith? Am I getting God's attention by my faith, by how much I trust in him? You know, God moves in mighty ways when we display an amazing faith. God moves in mighty ways when we display an amazing faith. So, so how, do we, how do we display an amazing faith to God? What does that look like? You know, the Bible is filled with all kinds of examples of how people had amazing faith and God uh, stepped through and God stepped in at just the right time. But there's only one passage in the Bible, only one place in the Bible where Jesus is amazed 
by someone's faith. And he even says it. So if there's one passage in the Bible where, where Jesus actually said he is amazed by, his, by someone's faith, you want to know what that passage is. You know, was it a teacher of the law? You know, uh, was, it, um, was it a Jew? You know, in this passage, is actually a Gentile and is actually a Roman soldier, someone who wasn't even a Jew, and someone who actually served a, a, a pagan empire, an empire that, w- that was actually tormenting the Jews at that time. And so, it, as we look at this story, uh, found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 10, would love for you to turn your Bible to that. In Matthew chapter 8, we're at verses 5 through 10, and it's the faith of the centurion. And through this passage, we're going to see ways that we can live an amazing faith, an aggressive faith, and to believe that God's going to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We want to get God's attention. And here it goes in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a town, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? So it's a question. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, come, and he, uh, this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. There it is. He was amazed and said to those following him. He said to the crowd, and he just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He's walking down the Mount. He just finished that big sermon, and he's in Capernaum. And so there's, there's a huge crowd. And he tells them this, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I mean, his disciples are standing there. He's like, hey, what about us? You know, what about us? Jesus said, I've not found anyone with such great faith. And skip it down to verse 13. It says, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that particular moment. I don't know about you. I, I, I love this story. And I, have a, uh, this, I actually have another Bible that I, that I read from. It's a smaller print. You know, as you get old, you know, you have bigger, you know, words, bigger print. And so I'm having to have this. And so uh, I, I'm waiting, you know, to the last moment to where I need glasses. But, you know, any, any day now, I'm sure I'll be having those glasses but I do know this, in, in my Bible that I've, that I've been marking and keeping up uh, as um, the same Bible I've had since I was in high school, uh, I've marked in that place, I don't know how many times, I want to amaze God by my faith. I want to amaze God by my faith. God is, and I, and I prayed this prayer, God, show me how I can amaze you with my faith. I know God loves me, Yes, God, God's unconditional love is there, but I want to amaze God by my faith. I want Lake Point Church to amaze God by her faith. I don't want Lake Point Church be, to be known for our services. 
just for our services. Yeah, we have great services. We had a great worship here today. It was awesome. I don't want Lake Point Church just to be known uh, for having great outreach programs and great outreach events and loving the community. I, want, I don't want Lake Point Church just to be known for our amazing kids ministry and our student ministry. I don't want Lake Point Church to be known for those things. I want Lake Point Church to be known by her faith. That is what I believe God wants Lake Point Church to be known for, by her faith. I want people to think, Lake Point Church, yeah, that's that crazy church. That crazy church who believes something, and by golly, it's done. That is what I want Lake Point Church to be known for, by her faith. So what can we learn from this centurion story as we try to walk in an amazing and an aggressive faith to have great expectations of God to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Number one, we have to have a burden we can't bear. There has to be a burden we can't bear. The centurion shared with Jesus, Jesus, I've got a servant at home, he's, he's paralyzed. He is in terrible suffering. The centurion, I'm sure, with his leadership, I mean, he was a man who had led at least 100 other soldiers. So he was a man in charge of several soldiers, and he was high up in the ranks. And so he probably had access to some of the best physicians in the Roman world. And so one of his servants that he really loved dearly was paralyzed, and he couldn't do anything about it. And so finally he's like, you know, I can't bear this. There's nothing I can do. For us to have an amazing faith, an aggressive faith, for us to be able to amaze God by our faith, we have to be in a place where we have a situation, we have a burden that we can't bear. Because this, if if the centurion was able to heal his servant through through other physicians and through medicine, then he has no need for Jesus. There's, that conversation would not have happened. And just like us, if we as a church are able to just purchase 20 acres of land, build a community park, and build a, a, a first phase building there, And if we're able to do that all by ourselves with all of our resources, then we don't need to display an amazing faith. We we don't even need God. We say, well, we got this. We got this. You know, God just wants us to do our part and he wants to step in to do his part. You know, when Jesus was, uh, was drawn into this conversation with the centurion, and the centurion said, I've got a, a servant who's in terrible suffering. Jesus asked, okay, you want me to heal him? You know, church, we have a burden we can't, we can't bear by ourselves. We can't carry. Jesus is asking us, God is asking us, do you want me to help you? Because I will. I'm ready. You do your part. 
and I'll do my part. Now let's bring that home. Let's bring this home. Some of you here today, whether it's your situation or you know someone in your life with this situation, there are issues in your life that you cannot bear. You've tried and you can't carry. You're tired. Whether it be a financial issue, a marriage issue, a relationship issue, a child issue, whatever that may be, there are issues that they come and go out, out of our lives. But there's a point where we cannot bear it on our own. And so for us to walk with an amazing faith, to, to get God's attention by our faith, for God to say, whoa, <laughs> look at that. That is amazing. For God to say that, we've got to first understand there, there's issues in our life that we can't bear by ourselves. Second thing the centurion did is he brought it to Jesus. He brought it to Jesus. He didn't just wait around the house hoping Jesus might show up. He didn't just wait around the house. Okay, servant, just hang in there. Just hopefully Jesus will come. No, the centurion went to Christ. He brought it to Jesus. He brought this situation to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I can't carry this by myself. Here's the situation. I need your help. So as a church, we, we, we can't do this. I said that last week. We cannot purchase 20 acres of land, build a community park, and a first phase building. We can't do this, but God can. And so that's why we need to go to God. That's why we need to say, God, okay, what is our part? What is my part? And then you show up and do the rest. We pop some popcorn and we watch the God movie take place. So we have to put ourselves in position to bring it to Jesus. So that's why today, at the end of service, we are passing these out. Here is what I want us to do as a church, every person in here. What I want us to do is I want us to go through a 30-day devotional. I want us to go walk through this together. In this booklet you're going to receive today as you walk out, there are several, there's there's a, a daily devotional. It's just a passage of scripture and an opportunity how you can pray for Lake Point Church and how you can make this a personal action step in your life, this passage. And so I'm asking you, to take this and do it seriously. It, it, it's not gonna take a lot of time. In fact, you could do this, it's just a matter of minutes. We've even given you some place, uh, some space in here for you to write some notes. And so you could do this on top of what your, your uh, normal routine is, your time with the Lord. But as we collectively do this together, there's, there's power in unity and there's power when we all push together. Pray until something happens. We push together. And this right here will help us with that. And so I want, to, I want you to commit to doing this. As your pastor, I'm asking you to do this. Now, some of you may want to take this 
and say, okay, I'm going to combine this with something else. Some of you say, I'm going I'm to fast before the Lord. I'm going I'm to pray, and I'm going to fast before the Lord. That is between you and the Lord if you want to do that. If you wanna, whatever you want to fast, there's many different types. And we fasted before as a church. But you take this, and you do whatever you feel like the Lord is telling you to do this. But I want everyone to hear to do this. And it's a 30-day challenge, and this will lead us up till February 18th, up until there. And then I want you to, to take this and do this with commitment and dedication because we're going to bring it to Jesus. We are going to bring this to Jesus. Jesus, we cannot, we cannot bury this. Uh, we cannot carry this on our own. We need your help. Now, how do we bring that home? Some of you have whatever issues or concerns in your life, some of your worries in your life, you're, you, you've been trying to carry that on your own and, and you can't, and it's time for you to bring it to Jesus. It's time for you to bring it to Jesus. Now you may say, well, I have brought it to Jesus. Well, then you need to bring it harder to Jesus. Maybe there's, there's, some, uh, there's some strongholds in your family strongholds in your life where you just need to have the power of God to break the chains. The, the God who can move mountains in, your, in, in our lives can break a simple little chain of bondage in your life and, and for you to be able to walk in victory. He wants to break those chains. And, and, and some, sometimes we need to go before him, not just in prayer, but we need to go him before him in fasting. We need to pick out scripture passages and say, I tell you what, the enemy's telling this in my mind, but the Bible says something totally opposite, and I'm believing what the Bible says, and here's a passage of, of, of scripture that goes against what the enemy is trying to tell me and put in my heart and put into my mind. And so it, it, it takes multiple things for those things, to, those chains to be broken. So you're having issues, troubles, you know of people in your life who are walking in, in defeat, then they need to bring it to Jesus. They need to bring their best game to Jesus, meaning on their knees, fasting, using scripture, praying together, praying with other people. So in order for us to, Walk in faith for God to be amazed by our faith. We gotta have a burden we can't bear. And we've gotta, we gotta bring it to Jesus. The third thing that the, the centurion showed us is we've gotta approach with humility. We've gotta approach with humility. In that passage, it says that we just read, the centurion says, okay, Jesus, I, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Jesus was ready to go. He's like, hey, you want me to heal him? Okay, let's go. Let's go. I mean, he's probably walking. And Centurion's like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Uh, I, I, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Okay, he is a centurion. He has servants. And he's a powerful dude. Probably a pretty strong man. And he says, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Do you blame him? I mean, how many of y'all are ready today? What if, what if Jesus were to walk into your house today just unexpectedly? Are, are you ready for that? Are you ready for Jesus to walk in and say, hey, I need to surf the internet for a little bit. Can, can you, can, can I show you, can I get your computer, you know? 
Or, or, or you know, I just want to visit a little bit. Are, are there things around your house? Are, are there are things you've invited into your home that you'd be like, oh, I don't know about, I don't know about this. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof because you are a holy God and I am a sinful person. And I think that's what the centurion realizes. He realizes he walks with humility. And so how does this fit with our church? Just like the centurion said, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Church, I'm gonna tell you this. We don't deserve that property. We don't. We don't deserve that property. We can't pay for it. We, we can't do it on our own. And we don't deserve it. Aren't those positive, powerful words from your pastor? Um, you know, we've been, we've been ex- in existence for about five years. And we are, we are purchasing a property of 20 acres that is probably one of the largest pieces of property for a church in, in Bartow County. I mean, their churches have larger pieces of land. That's great. You probably think of some of them. Uh, this property will have access to a major road. Red Top Mountain Road is actually, uh, the, uh, DOT has, has shared with us, that's actually going to be a, a, a major highway, 113. 113 is going to be rerouted around by the airport and Woodland High School. And you're going to be able to get from Rock Mart or Taylorsville to here in a matter of minutes. And they're going to connect all of that. This old Alabama red top to 113. So that, that road is going to be renamed 113. Major highway connected to 75. We don't deserve that. This land is beautiful. We don't deserve that. And I'm talking in, human, in a human mind. We haven't paid our dues, you know? We haven't paid our dues. We haven't been around a long time. You know, we're not, church, we're not a church that's been around for many years and, and it's finally time. I mean, in the eyes of man, we don't deserve this. And you know what? I'm okay with that approach. Just like the centurion said, Jesus, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Lake Point Church, we don't deserve this land. We don't deserve to have a building there. And as we approach this with humility, we can understand this. Even though we think we don't deserve it, God is gonna give it to us anyway. And as we walk in that humility, I don't want us to walk, hey, look at this land, look what we got, ooh, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't want us to walk like that. And when people ask, how are you gonna pay for that? Oh, I don't know, we can't. Do you deserve that land? No, we really don't. <laughs> but God's given it to us anyway, and God's gonna provide. We're gonna do our part, God's gonna do his part, and, and, and we just... We're gonna be walking with an aggressive faith and God's gonna be like, man, look at Lake Point Church. That is awesome. 
And so as we walk towards this, I want us to walk with humility. I want us to walk as like, man, we don't deserve this. It's like my wife, Suzanne. All y'all know I don't deserve her. You know that? I mean, there are people in the community like, man, look at Frank, and he don't deserve her. And I know that, but God gave her, me, God gave her to me anyway, so yeah. <laughs> but God has made it clear, God has made it clear that we are to get this, this property. God has made it clear. So we're gonna walk in humility in this, knowing we don't deserve this. But thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We're walking in humility. Now, how, how are we gonna put this into your personal life? I don't want this to be all just about what we're doing as a, as a church with this property. So I want you, I want this to apply to your life. So how does this work, work with you? Um, if you don't approach your issues, the concerns, the troubles in your life with humility, then you're not going to see God move in your life in immeasurably ways than you can ever think or imagine. You think you have, the, you have what it takes to carry the burden? Some of you here today could be in a situation like, you know what, I got this. I can do this. I don't need marriage counseling. We got this. I don't need counseling for my kids. We got this. I don't need, I don't need financial, you know, financial help. You know, we, we, we got this. Y'all, that's not walking in humility. When we have issues in our life, when we have troubles, worries in our life, we need to approach that with humility and be like, yeah, this, this, this child-rearing parenting is tough. I need some help. I need some help. I need to make some phone calls. And we're, we're, we're calling parents. Parents are calling us. We don't have all the answers. We have a few. But the answers we don't have, we call others. We, we, we work together. We tell others, man, this kid, we're having problems with this kid. And so we, we seek the Lord in prayer. We seek counsel. We don't say, we got this. Because we don't. So walk in humility. If you have marriage issues, wave the white flag and say, we surrender. Not surrender in, in staying together, but surrender and say, we, we can't do this on our own. We need some help. And so just like the centurion, we need to walk in humility. So we need to be at a place where we understand that we can't bear we can't carry this burden on our own. We need to bring it to Jesus. We need to walk in humility. And last, we need to understand authority. We need to understand authority. The centurion understood that the power that Jesus had flowed directly as a result of his submission. Jesus submitted his authority to God the Father. It says in John Chapter 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus was walking under authority. Why do you think he was off praying all the time? 
He, he was receiving instructions. Father, what do you, how do you want me to handle this? Lord, how do you want me to handle Peter? Peter's always rambling in his mouth. And I mean, what, what should I do? I mean, should I just say, get behind me, Satan? You know, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I know Judas is gonna, you know, he's gonna betray me, but so how, I mean, that's kind of awkward right now. I mean, how do I work with that? And you know, Jesus had to spend time with God the Father and walk in that authority. So what is it about the understanding of authority that made the centurion faith so impressive? The centurion went on to explain his understanding of how authority works and therefore how the authority of Jesus works. He explained that he tells his servant and his, his soldiers who are under him to go and do this and to come and they come. When, when someone is submitted to your authority, they obey your commands. We expect our children, they're under our authority, to do things. Hey, we need you to empty the trash can for the third time today. We need you to empty the dishwasher. We need you to load the dishwasher. We need you to please flush for the fifth time today. We need, you know, there are things that we expect our children to do because they're under our authority. This, this whole point hinges on the fact that the centurion's authority over his soldiers and his servants only exists because he himself is under authority. He was under the authority of the Roman government. You must be under authority to have authority. You must be under authority to have authority. Authority. The soldiers obey the centurion because they know that ultimately to disobey him is to disobey Rome. When he gives an order, it's as if all of Rome is telling that soldier, look, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to come here. That's not the centurion saying that. It is the Roman government. It is the Roman empire. It is Caesar, Caesar telling that soldier, that servant, to do that. And it's the same way with Jesus. Jesus, when he looks at sickness, when he tells sickness to leave, when he tells the demons to leave a person, he's not just telling you just in the name of Jesus. He's got all of heaven behind him. In the name of Jesus, and behind Jesus is God, the creator of all, and all of heaven, and all the bazillion angels that are there. And he tells sickness, be gone. And he tells demons, be gone. And he tells mountains, be removed. Why? Because he has a name that is above every name. And behind him stands all of heaven. So demons have to obey him. Demons have to obey him. Sickness has to obey him. He knows, the centurion knows that Jesus does not need to come to his house. He knows that because the centurion gives orders all the time to people, to servants. Hey, I need you to do this. And he gives it through directives, through other servants. And he knows that Jesus' authority is over all things. Now that right there is some amazing faith. If we take a closer look at the, at the word authority, if we take a look at the word authority, you, the, the first part of that word is author. Author. 
Who is the author of the authority in your life? Who is writing the story? Who is writing the story for Lake Point Church? God is. And just like an author, an author uses words. God uses words. He used words to to do all of creation, to, to make everything that we see. He used the power of words. He's an author. And just like in our time as we come to Jesus, we need to position ourselves to hear from the author. We need to position ourselves to hear what Jesus, what God has to say to us. Lord, what is my part? What do you want me to do? What is the sacrifice you want me to make? Y'all, I, I didn't want this time to be a, a time where we're talking about how to manage your money better. And I, I, the elders and the staff and, and everybody, we do want this to be a time where it's about money management. It's so much deeper than that. It's about growing in your faith and asking God, Lord, what is my part? What audacious faith do you want me to, to show? What amazing faith do you want me? How can I get your attention and you look down and say, wow, look at that amazing faith. And so we need to position ourselves to hear the words of the author of our story, the story that God is writing because he's using words. And as an author, authority in our life, he has something to say to us. So how can we put that into our life? Some of you here today could be in a a place where you're you're not placing the authority of Jesus ahead of your problems. Sure, you, you may realize it, it's too much of a burden for you to carry. You may realize that you, I need to bring this to Jesus. Yeah, I'm gonna bring my problems to Jesus, this issue of, of, of what I'm facing to Jesus. Some of you may say, I'm gonna walk in humility. Lord, I can't do this. But you stop on the edge of authority. If you're a believer, you have the authority living inside you. God has given you that authority. And it says in Luke chapter nine, verse 21, look what it says. When Jesus had called the 12 together, the disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus gave him his authority and he gives us the authority through the power of the Holy Spirit. He calls us as well. And he tells us like, I am giving you the authority. Some of you are walking in defeat in your life and you haven't realized that you have the authority of Jesus right inside you. Some of you need to look square in the eye, square your shoulders back, plant your feet and look right into your problem and your issue and say, I command you in the name of Jesus, be gone. Some of you have stopped up to that point and you have not 
you have not gone deeper into the authority of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about some sort of you know, name it, claim it, hocus pocus junk. But I am saying that just like Jesus, we have the ability to talk to things that have to obey his authority. You got problems with the kids? I mean, don't, don't sit your kids down and say, I command you. And then, I mean, it's more of a spirit thing. You need to pray together. You need to pray together. And you need to say with, 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 your, with your spouse or pray with others, people you trust. I command the spirit of whatever's going on with my child, be gone in the name of Jesus. And do that day in and day out, day in and day out. And live with that amazing, incredible faith. If you're using negative words, talk about your situation. Oh, woe is me, look what's happening. Rather than using the authority of Jesus' name, you're not gonna find relief. You're not gonna find healing. You're not gonna walk in victory. Use the authority of Jesus. So as we close, let me share one more thing about the story. The centurion uses the words come and he uses the word go. I tell him my servant come and he comes. I tell him my servant go and he goes. You know, Jesus, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus tells us come to me come to me, come to the altar, come to me. I want to be your savior. And we love that part. We love, oh yes, I I need you savior. I need you, Jesus. I need a savior. I'm going to come to you. And it's easy for Jesus to be our savior. But there's another side to that. Jesus also tells us to go. In fact, that's the last thing he said when he left this earth, go and make disciples. He wants us to go. So if we are to go, that means we've got to obey, which makes him Lord. If we don't obey, then he's not Lord of our life, right? If we don't obey, he's not Lord. And so I want to encourage you. I want you to ask yourself, Lord, I've come to you and you're my Savior, but am I truly obeying you. Are you Lord of my life? 